0: To a Hope 1032 podcast. Tim Winton is Australia's most celebrated novelist today. He's the author of 13 books, including Cloud Street and Dirt Music. He's the winner of numerous literary prizes, and he resides on the coast of Western Australia, where he lives out every writer's fantasy. He writes for a couple of hours, he goes fishing, he plays with the kids and the family. Anyway, Winton was interviewed on the ABC's Enough Rope with Andrew Denton. The interview was typically Dentonesque, friendly, humorous, and at times very poignant. At one point, the conversation turned to Winton's well-known Christian faith. "'I want to talk about faith,' said Denton. "'When you were, I think, about five, a stranger came into your family and affected your family quite profoundly. Is that right?' Well, Tim Winton went on to tell Denton how his father, who was a policeman, had been in a terrible accident in the mid-60s. He was knocked off his motorcycle by a drunk driver. After weeks in a coma, he was eventually allowed home. Winton says he remembers thinking, and I'm quoting, He was like an earlier version of my father, a sort of augmented version of my father. He was sort of recognisable, but not really my dad, you know everything was busted up and they put him in the chair and, you know, here's your dad, they said. And I was horrified. Winton's father was a big man and Mrs Winton had great difficulty bathing him each day. There was nothing that Tim, who was five years old at the time, could do to help. News of the family's situation got out into the local community and shortly afterwards, Winton recalls his mother got a knock on the door. Oh, g'day. My name's Len, said a stranger to Mrs. Winton. I heard your hubby's a bit crook. Anything I can do? Len Thomas was from the local church, Winton explained. This man had heard about the family's difficulties and he wanted to help. He just showed up, continued Winton, and he used to carry my dad from bed and put him in the bath and he used to bathe him which in the 60s in Perth in the suburbs was not the sort of thing you saw every day. According to Winton, this simple act of kindness from a single Christian had a powerful effect. It really touched me in that regardless of theology or anything else, watching a grown man bother for nothing to show up and wash a sick man, you know, it really affected me, said Winton. This strangely sacrificial act, as Winton described it, was the doorway into the Christian faith for the whole Winton family. Now, I have no idea if Len Thomas would have described himself as an evangelist. I guess somewhere along the line, someone must have shared the Christian message with the Wintons. But according to Tim Winton, the thing under God that most profoundly influenced his family's move toward Christ was the sacrificial act of just one of Christ's followers. Well, the New Testament would say a hearty Amen to that. The Apostle Peter, for instance, was present when Jesus first uttered those fabulous words, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In fact, years later, in one of his letters, what we call 1 Peter, the Apostle paraphrases the Lord's words by saying, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God at the beginning of the next chapter Peter goes on to give a specific example of Christians bringing glory to God through good deeds he urges Christian wives to win their unbelieving husbands to the faith through the power of godly behavior let me read this text it's 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 2 wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, leaving aside the thorny issue of marital submission, Peter's teaching here in 1 Peter 3 verses 1 to 2 is extraordinary. Believers can win unbelievers over to the faith through Christian behavior. Peter actually goes out of his way to underline this point by adding the phrase without words, which in Greek is literally without a word, logu. Wives can win over their husbands to the Christian faith without even speaking the gospel to them. If this were not in our Bibles, I suspect some of us would caution believers who thought they could win people to Christ without a word, simply through behavior. Now, does this mean that people can start believing in Christ without ever hearing the gospel? No way. Leaving aside the important theological observation that all conversion is ultimately the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit, let me try and account for conversion from the human side of the equation which is what Peter is talking about here in this passage. Humanly speaking, hearing the gospel is the necessary and sufficient cause of faith in Christ. It's necessary in as much as people can't actually put their faith in Jesus without first learning the gospel about him. That's kind of obvious. It's sufficient in the sense that the gospel can bring people to faith all on its own. It doesn't need any other factor other than the work of the Holy Spirit. However, none of this means that hearing the gospel is the only cause of faith, or even that it's always the primary cause of faith. Other factors on the human side of the equation will frequently play a minor or major role in winning people over to the one revealed in the gospel. Tim Winton, as I said earlier, must have heard the gospel message somewhere along the line. He couldn't have placed his faith in someone he hadn't actually learnt about, But this does not for a moment mean that other factors were not also, or perhaps even primarily, responsible for his acceptance of Jesus. Winton insists that it was the sacrificial behaviour of Len Thomas that most influenced his family's move to Christ. In light of what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 3, this seems a perfectly valid way to describe matters. A closer look at 1 Peter 3 supports the idea that the gospel is the necessary and sufficient cause of faith without always being the only or primary cause of faith. See, Peter describes non-Christian husbands as those who do not believe the word, 1 Peter 3.1. Literally, this is those who disobey the word. Now, this tells us two things. Firstly, that Peter thinks of Christian conversion almost by definition as acceptance of the gospel word. And secondly, that Peter assumes these husbands have already heard something about the word. How else could they be disobeying it? Peter then isn't suggesting that faith in Christ can come about without the gospel. No way. He's simply saying that, humanly speaking, the thing which is going to win these husbands over to the gospel is the behavior of their loved ones. The gospel word remains the necessary and sufficient cause of faith, but in this case, it's not the primary cause of faith. That accolade belongs to the behaviour of their wives. A friend of mine is a senior lecturer at the University of Sydney, and until just two years ago, he was something of a sceptic. Working in an academic environment, Bruce felt he had to keep the Christian faith at a respectable distance. Unfortunately for this sceptic, though, Bruce was married to Brenda, a deeply godly believer. And for the last 20 years, Bruce has been able to observe the difference Christianity makes in your life. Slowly but surely, aided, Bruce tells me, by a timely health scare, his intellectual arguments could not withstand the power of the Christianity he observed every day in the home he eventually gave his life to Christ, to Brenda's enormous joy. Numerous factors have contributed to Bruce's newfound faith, among them Brenda's prayers and the occasional half-decent sermon. But toward the top of the list for Bruce was the transparently good life of his beloved wife. Individual good deeds can win people over to the gospel. 103.2. Thanks for listening.